Good morning, Darby Creek, and everybody else that's watching. It's uh, good to uh, to try to connect with you guys on online here. It's, um, it's fun to watch uh, some of the people that have logged in to Google so that they can comment and say hello to each other. It's it's kind of cool to see that. And um, so uh, anyway, good to to at least be able to gather in this way. And and uh, Lord willing, hopefully we'll be. Uh, gathering uh, in person here uh, sometime soon, hopefully. Uh, that's our prayer. And I just wanted to share something here before we get uh, going and have some time of uh, singing and so on, is that i um, really been thinking about how important it is for us to think about the goodness of God. And with everything that's going on, uh, you know, that's uh, li- our lives have changed, um, at least for now. And uh, and some things may be going to be changed uh, for quite some time. But um, it's important for us to think back on the faithfulness of God to us and how he's been good to us because uh, we can get so focused in on what's not right now, what what, what we don't like about now, uh, that we, we can lose sight of the goodness of God. And I was even just um, actually singing along with some other music here as we were rolling the announcements, just uh, that song that talks about the goodness of God and and how he's faithful. And and just want you to to know that God is a faithful God. He It's not like he is, uh, you know, uh, taking a break right now or anything like that. He's, he's in control and everything. And also just wanted to um, encourage our church family and to to let you know that you know keep keep people in your prayers that have lost loved ones uh here over the years uh, i was just thinking about that you know we've got some people i know that uh whenever my birthday starts coming up in may i start thinking of other friends that uh have birthdays or have had birthdays uh in this month and i start thinking about people that uh have gone to be with the lord and uh you know just uh first of all for the for those family members that are left behind us we'll say you know hey uh we have not forgotten them and uh, we love you guys, and and uh, was just just been on my mind uh, just to just to let you know that, and so for have our fellow uh, church members to be lifting up those people that have lost loved ones here in the last uh, years, and that uh, were with us and for a lot of years, and so I just want to pray right now, and then I'm going to turn it over to Charlie for worship time. Heavenly Father, we just um, thank you for this opportunity to um, to uh, sing uh, to. Even know that we uh, one another are are uh, are tuning in and 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 there's unity even in that. Uh, but Lord, we lift up those that uh, might be struggling with loneliness and um, and because they've lost uh, their husbands and their wives and uh, their mothers, their fathers, whatever. Um, and just to to let them know we have not forgotten them and uh, that you are with them. Um, and and also just. Lord, help us to not lose sight of your goodness and faithfulness to us over all the years. Lord, you are just amazing, an amazing God, and uh, we want to uh, praise you this morning, uh, even though our it's not the same as being in person and worshiping together in the sanctuary. But Lord, we want to we want to give our hearts to you afresh this morning. And we ask that your Spirit would meet us uh, in a special way, even right wherever we are. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing. Good morning. Welcome to Darby Creek Church. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to sing a bit. We're going to pray a bit. We're going to look at God's Word.
and just worship the Lord together. So I wanted to uh, open up with Psalm 118, verse 1. It simply says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Good reminder for us to give thanks and remember his love. So let's go to him in prayer as we open up. Uh, Lord God, we do just thank you for this morning. We thank you for giving us life and and health, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that we could be free from sin and live forever with you. And thank you, God, for that reminder that your faithful love endures forever. Lord, for those who uh, believe in your son, Jesus, who have turned from sin and and accepted him, God, you will be loving us for all eternity. Uh, nothing that we have done, but it's because of what your son has done for us. Lord, and uh, just ask that you'd help us draw close to you today. Fill us with your spirit and help us to worship you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
There's no greater love than Jesus. There's no greater love than Hegel. There's no greater love than Fraser's. So deep within. We praise your name, stand in awe of your never-ending love, love so great that it covers all my sin and shame. No greater power, there is no greater force in all this. share a couple verses with you from Psalm 106. It's a sobering uh, prayer of confession and also just a surprising reminder of God's faithfulness to us. It goes like this, Psalm 106 verses 6 through 8. It says, like our ancestors we have sinned. We have done wrong. We have acted wickedly. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. Amen. And sometimes that is what the Lord does with us, regardless of how we mess up and get ourselves into trouble. He oftentimes saves us and he does it for the glory of his name and sometimes to reveal his mighty power. So let's just sing and praise him right now. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nature Savior, He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save Mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. 
where'd you find me? All my fears and failure fill my life again. Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Yes, I surrender. from Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Let's sing.
Right. Thanks so much, uh, Darby Creek Band, for 
leading us in that worship time. And it's just a, it's a good reminder of that last song there, just about how um, it gets our focus on God. We look to him um, and, and he is faithful to us. So, um, so we've been starting into the book of Esther here. And, uh, you know, it's a great idea too, if you have uh, time throughout the week to just kind of read on ahead and read through the book of Esther, even a couple of times, as you can see, uh, how it all fits together. Um, each time is almost like a different um, act in a play, uh, so to speak, uh, with this book of Esther. And today's no different, really. It's it's just really interesting to see how God is working, again, behind the scenes. Um, you know, this book of the Bible, we've said, doesn't even mention God's name at all, and but yet his hand is all over it. And so it's just a uh, keep that in mind uh, in, in the background as we look at different characters today uh, of what God is doing in this story. And so um, today we're going to look at a couple of things here uh, that's going on in this section of scripture. Um, two plots and a, prom- and a promotion is kind of what I'm titling the message because that's really what's happening in the section is there are two plots going on. Uh, one, an assassination attempt plot, another, a plot to kill uh, and exterminate the Jews, and then uh, someone gets promoted. So we're going to be starting off here in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. I'll just read uh, the scriptures here. It says, uh, now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, again, this is referring to that harem uh, that King Ashuerus has, it says, uh, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. And Esther had not made known uh, her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, says in verse 21, those days as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. And by the way, that just is an indication that um, Mordecai had some kind of um, position probably, uh, and a lot of the, 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 the business of the, 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 the town and so on would have been done at the king's gate. So Mordecai was some person of um, status and position uh, within the community and, and also possibly within the king's court. And so um, we'll, we'll move on here. It says, Bigthan uh, and Teresh, two of the king's units, uh, eunuchs uh, who guarded the thresh Hold, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king Ashuerus. And this came to the knowledge uh, of Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. And when the affair was investigated and found to be so, uh, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. And so that's those last few verses there in chapter 2. And uh, the thing that really struck me as reading through this uh, portion is just that last verse um, is just that it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the presence of of the king. In in other words, the fact that Mordecai, um, you know, reported an assassination plan uh, or plot uh, to Esther and Esther then told the king and she gave Mordecai credit. That is recorded in the Chronicles, or kind of in the court record, you might say. 
And that's significant, although it seems insignificant. I mean, if you were reading that passage uh, on your own, you'd probably say, okay, you know, no big deal. They wrote it down. However, uh, that is going to become a significant fact when we get in the chapters ahead. Because on one sleepless night, the king picks up the court records and reads that entry. And then that will change the course of events after that. And so it just uh, made me think about how, you know, the providence of God works through um, seemingly insignificant events. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's no different in our own lives. I, I was thinking of a couple of what were kind of seemingly insignificant things that uh, happened in my life. One of them had to do with um, back in the early 80s, when 1980s, when I uh, went with a group of my roommates to play volleyball with uh, was, a, was a church group on campus. And that set off a whole series of events on me kind of searching the scriptures to see who Jesus really was and also then putting my faith in him as a result. And But who would have thought, you know, that going to play volleyball was going to be a big deal? Um, the other thing I thought about that was seemingly insignificant at the time was um, uh, in, the, in, in the late, late 80s, um, after I had graduated from college and everything, I... I was um, joining a bowling league, and and I uh, asked, um, well, what, who would become my wife, Linda. Her name was Linda Marshall then. I asked her if she would want to join the league with me because I was kind of reaching out to uh, some friends of mine through this bowling league. I just wanted to try to be able to uh, share Christ with them and and spend time with them, and and so. Uh, my, I asked, uh, it was, it was kind of a co-ed league. And so <clears throat> I asked, uh, Linda, she was in our small group, our single small group, if she wanted to, um, be a part of this outreach. And I had, uh, you know, I, Linda and I were just friends, uh, you know, that, that was it. And, uh, she said, yes, uh, mainly because, um, uh, you know, I, I invited her to be part of this bowling league and it was actually 36 weeks long and I don't know if you've ever been in a fall bowling league but that's how long they are they're quite a few weeks and so um, when Linda went to kind of get her roommates thoughts on this idea uh, they thought that well there's no way it could be 36 weeks it must be three to six you know three four five or six you know somewhere in there and and so so with that mistaken understanding she agreed to be in this bowling league with me and she stuck it out for the 36 weeks. And by the end of those 36 weeks, we were engaged to be married. And so, you know, I'm a simple mistake. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know God was working through that whole thing. And, and just how that seemingly insignificant mistake and uh, this bowling league led to our engagement and marriage. Uh, and so... Uh, I, I just just to reinforce, share those stories, just to reinforce the fact that, you know, God's working in our lives in what seems through uh, sometimes just the mundane. And um, just to, it brings me uh, encouragement and comfort, too, just to think about that, that um, he's working in ways I can't see uh, and, and things that are not um, major events at the time. And so we just have to trust him. 
Um, so this is just a good, good thing to be reminded of, uh, just that he's working in those ways. Now, <clears throat> as we move on into chapter 3, we see here that uh, it says, After these things, uh, King Asuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, <clears throat> Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. So, you know, um, as Haman gets this promotion, uh, and basically like second in command, uh, he's, uh, and the king gave some kind of a, an edict that people were to pay homage to him, whether that's kind of vow or whatever, uh, show respect in that way, some physical way, I'm I presuming, then, um, you know, that was supposed to be done. But Mordecai did not show him uh, that honor. And so, and in the reason he gives, it says, he says, for he told them he was a Jew. And so we don't really know uh, 100% sure why uh, that is, whether he's, uh, whether, you know, Mordecai's uh, reasoning may have been that, well, um, you know, that's kind of, going a little too far, um, you know, borders on idolatry or worship or something. But I I just kind of, I don't think that's really it because we see other places in scripture where people of God, uh, you know, bowed to other people and they weren't worshiping them. They were just showing honor. So I, I kind of think that's probably not it. It's probably more along the lines of the history between the Jews and uh, um, Haman's people, the, Ag the uh, Amalekites. So we'll see on more of that in a minute here. It says, and when, when uh, Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but uh, he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. In other words, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, satisfied to just um, take it out on Mordecai. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of Asuerus. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, just to think about, uh, first of all, as we, we got to the end of chapter two, and we saw that, hey, Mordecai did this incredible thing of, he, he, he discovered this plot to um, assassinate the king, and he shared that information. And as a result, the king's life was, you know, saved. Uh, you expect, and especially after it says, and that was written in the, uh, in the Chronicles, it was a, a record was made of it, uh, of this um, uh, thing. And so you would expect that then honor or recognition or reward or some sort would have been given to Mordecai. But instead, what happens is uh, Haman is given some kind of a promotion. Uh, that's what that's what the writer of Esther goes into next, and I, I think that's obviously purposeful uh, to show us that you know the injustice that was coming, and uh, 
And, and so, you know, it's just, it, it, for one thing, it really does remind us here that, um, you know, God's, uh, you know, in one sense, life's not fair when it comes to dealings with uh, people. Um, they, they, you know, we, they don't always really see the good things that we do. And, uh, you know, but, but I think it's important, though, for us to remember that God does see everything that we're doing. Um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you've been passed, I'm thinking about, thinking about promotions, maybe you've been passed over promotions and where you feel like, you know, favoritism was being shown and that's why someone else got the promotion. Um, and, and you were wronged in that way and, and you were not being really rewarded for your hard work and faithfulness to the company that you're with. Uh, and, you know, those things happen. And, um, and, and so one of the things that can maybe help us when these types of things have happened or when, you know, nobody's really, we feel like nobody's really recognizing the thing, the things that we're doing, um, the good that we're doing, uh, the hard work that we're doing, um, is that God is seeing. In Revelation chapter 22, it says here in verses 12 and 13, um, this is uh, speaking about the Lord Jesus here. He says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that word recompense, not something we use very often these days, but it just means reward. Jesus is saying, listen, my, I'm going to reward you for the good that you're doing in my name. Um I see everything that's going on, God says, and we need to remember that. It helps us when we, uh, when we don't um, maybe get the, the honor due, in, in a sense. But the other thing to keep in mind here is the fact that, um, you know, the book of Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it reminds us of who we're really working for. And right before this, it talks about you know bond servants and how they ought to see the people that they're, they're the, how they ought to view their masters in, in that particular culture and time. But I think there's some application here for our work. It, it said, he says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And, and so, you know, who is it we're really working for? As a believer, we're working for the Lord Jesus. He is our ultimate boss. He's over our boss and our boss's boss. He is the ultimate one to whom we will have to give an account. And so really, how we do our work, how we live our lives, how we parent our kids, how we're loving our husband or wife, um, you know, that's, we need to do it for the Lord, right? And that helps us, I think, to, um, to kind of say, well, even if uh, my boss or the people around me aren't going to recognize uh, all that I've done, then, but the Lord will, and I'm doing it for him. So it helps with our attitude. Um, I, I was just thinking too, you know, parents, um, you know, parents of young children or that are, they have the kids still living with them, how you, you just, um, 
they just don't really appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> they, they, you know, they're, they don't have that maturity, uh, to, to recognize the sacrifice. Uh, and I just think about all that's happening now and homes across, uh, um, you know, the U S here where people are, um, basically effectively homeschooling now, uh, with, uh, the great assistance of their teachers, hopefully, uh, but the parents are playing a much more active role or are supposed to be in their child's education now. And so not only are the parents providing for and just doing the normal parenting things, but they are, you know, probably doing science experiments. They're having to help with algebra. Uh, and, and so, and, and this is a lot, adds a lot of stress. And, and so it could be, you know, it's, it's hard because, our kids aren't going to sit there and say, gee, thanks a lot, mom and dad. And most of the time they don't, again, because of that maturity factor. But oftentimes, I know for myself, I, I never did that with my parents. I never said thank you to my parents that much when I was growing up. But now, after having become a parent and having to raise kids and have to recognize all that that takes, I, I did say thank you to them a number of times and saying I had no idea you know, what it took. And so, so I, I know that we don't always um, maybe get the thanks we deserve for the, for what we're doing and for the hard work that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees. But just remember, God sees, he rewards, and he's working, uh, and he, he will, um, we're the one, or he's the one that we're doing the work for. So uh, hopefully that'll help as we uh, get our bearing straight and, and do our work heartily as unto the Lord. So, as we move on to the next portion here, uh, the second part of uh, Esther chapter 3 goes on to say, uh, In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Asuerus, they cast pur, that is, they cast lots before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is in the month of Adar. And then Haman said to King Asuerus, so let me stop right there. Uh, you know, the casting of lots was a common thing to do. Um, you know, Haman um, supposedly would have been doing this to figure out when is the right time to go to the king with my diabolical plan. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that I think that's that's what the, he was doing. Uh, he was trying to see, you know, when, when uh, I can roll the dice here or wh whatever that this would have been like. That's the closest thing I can think of to see when a favorable number would come up as to when I could have favor with the king with my plan. And I think that's what's going on here. So verse eight, then it says, then Haman said to King Asuerus, there was a certain people scattered abroad and uh, dispersed. He says, scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws. So that is not, it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. Now, isn't this, I find this interesting too, is the fact that Haman doesn't just kind of, you know, point out the problem with, with Mordecai, that he's not showing him honor as he should. You know, he's just kind of talking now, going with this general story about all the people, all the Jews are doing this. Goes on to say in verse nine, if it please the king, let it be decreed that that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the Agagite, 
the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Wow. You know, taking that signet ring off is basically just giving him a blank check to do anything he wants, to make any law he wants in the king's name. That's what's happening. Verse 12 says, Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, and an edict according to all that Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of the king, Asuerus, and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to de- instruction to destroy, kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. And then the last verse here says, The couriers went out hurriedly by the order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. I mean, uh, that last verse and that last phrase just reminds you, it's like, okay, this is what would happen on a commercial break, right? They would leave you hanging. Uh, You know, everything's going uh, crazy in Susa now because of this order to kill all the Jews on one particular day. And, uh, and then Haman's just sitting down to have a drink with the king. Uh, just terrible stuff, uh, but that's what's happening. And I, I mentioned earlier that it's important for us to kind of understand um, some of this uh, thing that's going on with between Haman and Mordecai. And that has to do with uh, Haman's family history with the Jews. Uh, you may not be aware of this, But uh, King Saul of the Israelites, um, years before this, was of the tribe of Benjamin, which not, I mean, ironically, but uh, this is just really interesting. Mordecai was of that same tribe and lineage as well. Um, But King Saul uh, did not destroy King Agag as instructed by the Lord. So the Lord told him to wipe all these people out and and the king, and he did, he didn't. And so he didn't do all the Lord commanded him. It was kind of a half-hearted obedience, which wasn't obedience at all. And then, however, Samuel the prophet, and being a man of God, says, okay, you're not going to do it. I'm going to take care of what you should have done. So he killed the king. That's uh, in 1 Samuel 15, 33. So what's happening here is uh, Haman's descendants right, have had an age-old and and really centuries, I think it's a couple centuries here, have gone by of this animosity and hatred uh, uh, for the Jews, the the, the Amalekites, the Agagites. And so uh, Haman's really just nursing a grudge that was two centuries old. Yeah, certainly it had to do with not being paid honor uh, by Malachi. But again, I think there's that connection there that there was no respect because of um, this animosity here and really just a clear prejudice against the Jews by Haman. And it ran deep. And so I think this is an important kind of some background stuff for us here that we need to see. Um, You know, 
I, I know this is not a main point here, but it's just interesting to know that, you know, I don't think prejudice is really just, it's not, it's not, uh, we're not born with it. Uh, we learn it. And uh, I think it, it's, it's most likely the case that Haman uh, grew this hatred just out of his upbringing and what of, of the history. But it's important to realize, though, that we need to, uh, you know, think about how um, anger can turn into bitterness in our own life and hatred and how the, the Lord doesn't want us to live that way. Uh, he doesn't want us to, uh, as it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, 15, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Just showing the destruction that bitterness can have, the effect of bitterness. If we, if we let anger simmer and, and we don't, we don't uh, forgive people, uh, that can turn into this root of bitterness. And if you've ever been around or experienced yourself bitterness, uh, you realize it comes out in all kinds of ways and it affects the people around you. It, it's just, um, it's destructive, not only in your own life, but it's also affects the people around you. It's toxic is what it is. And so, um, you know, are you nursing a grudge today? Uh, if you are, um, the Lord wants you to turn from that and he wants you to give that over to him. He wants you to see that he, uh, he'll take care of that. Um, you know, and, and some other uh, passage comes to my mind that relates us that might help if you are having a struggling with forgiveness. Um, here in verse uh, 14, starting verse 14 of Romans 12, it says, Bless those who persecute you, persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I mean, this is really part of Haman's problem too, is that he's just a proud man. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. You know, if you're wronged, you don't turn it around and wrong somebody else. Um, we That's not the way to respond as a believer. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, so what we need to realize is that justice will be done one day. Uh, you know, if you're wronged and somebody's uh, treating you wrongly uh, right now or in the past, then it, God's going to right that wrong. It might not be this side of heaven, but justice will be done. Uh, we, but we need to leave that up to the Lord. Um, we need to leave that. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so part of kind of releasing, um, you know, this is, is to realize that, you know, it's, it's not like people are going to get off the hook eventually. There will be, uh, there will be a recompense one day for that. Um, so it says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And so I, I just think the takeaway here in this portion is, is just to put away bitterness and grant forgiveness. 
we need to do that. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't always mean that relationship will always go back to the way it was. Depending on what happened, that might not even be possible or maybe shouldn't, wouldn't be healthy. But, uh, but releasing them uh, in our own hearts and minds uh, and granting forgiveness there is, I think, important. Um, and believers are to be known not just for the love that they have for one another, but also for the love that they have for those who hate them and mistreat them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to love our brother and sister in Christ. You know, it's another thing to love those who are not really thrilled with us or uh, who hate us because we're following Jesus or who have even wronged us and are uh, prejudiced against us because we're Christ followers. And, and uh, Jesus doesn't want us to uh, return evil for evil there. He wants us to, to love them uh, and and to um, in a sense seek their good now the only way that could ever happen is if we have the Holy Spirit you know that's the only way that's the only way that we could ever love someone or do good for someone who has wronged us deeply or and is even currently in a state of doing so uh, that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we believe. Now, you know, again, trying to keep this book of the Bible in the context of the entire scripture is even to think about, um, as I'm reading through this passage, and I one of the commentaries I have been reading along with my study mentions some things that I, I thought were worthy of noting that really um, exposes, in a sense, an, a, a, an angle on the gospel here in the book of Esther. And just to take a look at these uh, statements here from, it's the commentary is called Exalting Jesus and Esther. Um, but that God's people in Esther found themselves in the same position we find ourselves since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. A decree of death hangs over us from which we cannot deliver ourselves, right? Because we've sinned, we're separated from God. And um, here the, pe- the, the these people here, the Jews uh, in this um situation that's happening in Esther, uh, a, a death sentence has been put on their head and they can't themselves do anything about it really. And that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in as sinners. Um, sin, uh, Adam and Eve sinned. As a result, we also have that sin nature and um, that causes a separation between us and God. Our hearts, even in our hearts, we're born with hearts that um, are rebellious towards God. Um, Mordecai refused to honor Haman, but we have refused to honor Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. That's that's how we're we're born into this world. There's rebellion in our hearts. We we don't want to always do things God's way. We we want to do it our way and the convenient way and uh, and so on. And we really need to be rescued from our own rebellion against God. Um, Haman here, you know, he was paying ten thousand talents of silver, basically, uh, it seems like once he mentioned that, the king just kind of lost all reason and said, hey, that's great. You know, you pay me 10,000 talents, I give you my signet ring, do whatever you want with these people. Uh, But Haman was purchasing death with his money, but God used Christ's death to purchase life for us and forgiveness. And uh, it's just, it's just good to be reminded here of the gospel in all of this. Um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Remember, 
on that previous slide. I just talked about how, you know, we, um, we are under kind of this death sentence. The wrath of God is on our head because of our sin. And that's, um, that's not being, God's not being mean. He's being just because, uh, he is God and we, um, he deserves our, our worship and he deserves our hearts. And so, um, but Jesus came, died on the cross for us. And it says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so, uh, putting our faith in Christ is how we, um, the, 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 the wrath of God is satisfied and was poured out on Jesus on the cross. So whoever puts their faith in Jesus, um, the forgiveness uh, is offered to them. And then instead of them suffering the wrath of God, then what Jesus did for them on the cross counts for them. Here's another way of putting it in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and saved. Really, coming to faith uh, in Christ and experiencing forgiveness of God comes through an acknowledgement of our need. We need to see that we need a Savior. We need to see that we have the sentence of death upon us that we deserve because of our hearts that are in rebellion to God. And what what God requires of us is a word that's called repentance. He wants us to turn away from that rebellion and turn to him. We have to acknowledge, we have to admit or confess that we have been living a life that's not pleasing to God. Uh, and that we have hearts that are not pleasing to him and that we deserve the penalty that he has set forth. But, but, and so you have to acknowledge that. I mean, uh, that's, that's critical. And once we acknowledge that and then recognize that Jesus Christ is that solution for our forgiveness and to be made acceptable to God, uh, then we, that's what this is talking about. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you have to acknowledge that he is the savior that he died on the cross for your sins. And uh, when you do that, when you admit to God your need for a Savior and you say, I want to be forgiven, I want Christ, Jesus Christ to be my Savior and Lord of my life, when you do that, then uh, what happens is then you are forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and then helps you uh, to do what the Lord wants you to do he also does a great job of showing us where things are not right in our lives because we don't become perfect people overnight uh, when uh, accepting Christ as Savior. But the Spirit of God will convict us and will show us when things aren't right and need to be corrected. Um, and so, but I just think it's important for us to realize the gospel. And as we see what's playing out in Esther, uh, and as you're sitting there listening, and just ask yourself, do you have that assurance that if you die tonight, that you would spend eternally with God? That's the most important question you could ever answer. Uh, if you died tonight, do you have that assurance that if that you would spend eternity with God? Um, and to have the affirmative answer, you would have to have confidence that you've, you, you have, again, admitted your need for Christ and asked him to forgive you and to come into your life. And if you're not sure you've done that, 
Uh, I'm just going to ask you, as I close in prayer, uh, you maybe pray this prayer with me uh, as I just um, pray right now. Heavenly Father, I just want to acknowledge to you right now that um, I am a sinner. I have done things that are not right, that are that are um, against what you would want. And um, I do also acknowledge that Jesus Christ is uh, the Lord. He is the Son of God who came and died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And he died on the cross for my sins that I might be forgiven. And so I ask right now, Lord, that you would forgive me and that I want Jesus Christ to be have his rightful place in my life as the Lord and Savior, as the one who would who is going to be at the center of my life, who is going to call the shots, that he's in charge now. And so, Lord, um, uh, I, just, I just confess that need and that desire to want to be made right with you and that Christ is the only way for that to happen. And so I put my faith in him right now, knowing that there's not one good deed that I could do that would ever make me right with you, but only what Jesus Christ has done. And so, Lord, I just give my life to you now. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, it's an interesting book, isn't it? The book of Esther here. It's very interesting to see um, how God is working behind the scenes. And even just to see uh, these people, uh, you know, Haman and Mordecai and Esther and how God's working in their lives as well. And so, um, I just I just pray and ask that uh, and hope that this week um, you might have a chance to read uh, through some more of the book of Esther, read ahead a little bit. And, um, but, but hopefully, you know, as you look through these different points that we made today, just about how God's working in those seemingly insignificant events in our lives, that he's working, his providence is always at work around us, trusting him and giving over any bitterness uh, to the Lord, that the Lord uh, will really be working in your life. And I encourage you to drop us an email if you have, um, you want to give us some, uh, tell us how God is using um, the time and the word that we have the and, and all of that. And so you can just email us at info at darbycreek.org to let us know and how God's working and using this time. So thanks for uh, joining us today. And uh, just a reminder for those that join us in the Zoom prayer time, uh, you can check your email and you can join us for prayer here in just a little bit. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you.